understand okay but uh, it is a it's amazing what God is doing for and through he and Katie I remember their early uh, courting dates I think they were both in my class at the same time and I don't think they listened to anything I said <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, but anyway <laughs> uh, it's good uh, open your Bibles and uh, tonight I just want to share with you okay and what I'd like to share with you tonight is this, how God taught me to give. How God taught me to give. And in Luke 6, uh, 38, the Bible says, Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give in your bosom. And uh, what, what God is saying here is, whatever you give to me, uh, I'm going to give you back more. Okay. Now, you don't give in order to get. But if you give, you will get. Okay? I mean, it's that simple. Okay? Now, this is an agricultural uh, illustration. And you think about a farmer, a good farmer, a real honest farmer. And, and what, whatever he sells somebody, he wants to be sure they get all they deserve and more. And so... Uh, Here's the illustration. Uh, give and it shall be given you good measure. In other words, you fill the basket. You have a basket there. You fill it all the way full with wheat. And then you press it down. And wheat, you can press it down real good. And then after you press it down, you shake it together. And then you fill it up again until it's running over. In other words, give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Uh, now, most of you are not old enough to remember, but uh, years ago there was a, a simple phrase, and it's this, okay? A baker's dozen. Anybody remember what a baker's dozen was? Okay, some of you are old enough. Good. All right. A baker's dozen. You'd go to the bakery and you'd buy a dozen donuts and they wanted to be sure you got all you deserve. So they'd put in an extra. It'd give you 13. Uh, now, I think if you go to the bakery today and buy a dozen donuts, you'd get 11, okay? But that's the, that's the difference in generations, okay? But, but uh, you, you think about it. Everything we have came from God. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from God in whom is no shadow turning, Okay. And, uh, and in, in reality, we don't own anything. Everything we have is a gift from God. Now, he gave it to us, but it's still his, okay? And so in reality, we don't own anything, uh, but we are stewards of what God puts in our hand. And, and, and some people get all out of shape when they even hear the word give. But uh, God must have loved that word. Because in the Bible, it's found in our English Bible 811 times. Now, don't worry. We're not going to try all of those tonight, okay? But think about it. 811 times. God loved the word give. And, you know, and you think about why would God want me to give him anything, okay? I mean, after all, the Bible says in uh, 
uh, Hebrews 11:3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds, not just this small planet Earth, and it is very small in comparison to the universe, the worlds were created by the Word of God. I mean, he had not, nothing. He didn't take anything. It was created by the Word of God. And you say, well, Brother says you're an old man, and you were educated in Kentucky, and they probably didn't know much about science down there, and you probably never heard of the Big Bang Theory, but I have, okay? And I, and I, I might be surprising, okay? But I believe in the Big Bang Theory. I really do. God spoke, and bang, there it was, okay? <laughs> and by the way, that's exactly the way it happened. You read Genesis chapter 1, and God said, and it was, and God said, and it was, and God said, uh, and it was. So uh, here, Jesus is speaking, okay? Give, it shall be given unto you good measure. Press down, shaking together, and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom? So uh, really, you, you just determine how much you want from God, okay? With the same measure you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. By the way, could I remind you, God has a bigger shovel than you do. Uh, we, we shoveled it in with a teaspoon, and he puts a big shovel in, okay? Uh, in other words, God is saying, I'm going to give you back more than anything you give me. Now, let me, let me go over some things, okay? How God taught me to give. In 1952, Virginia and I joined the Black Oak Baptist Church, and we hadn't been there very long until one day, uh, Brother W.E. Jones, our pastor, said, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. Now, I didn't get scared then. A lot of people get scared when you turn, you turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 3. All right. But uh, notice what Matthew chapter 3 says. I think it's going to be on the screen after a while. But uh, in case it's not, I'll, I'll turn in my Bible and, and find it. Now, if you have any trouble finding it in your, in your Bible, just turn to Matthew and go back one page, okay? Uh, Matthew, uh, Malachi chapter 3, okay? And this is what Brother Jones read, 1952, okay? Virginia and I had only been married a few, few months. Verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offering? Okay? You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. <laughs> Bring you all the tithes in this storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me. Look, look at that word, prove. Why don't you underline that if you have... I don't know if you can underline in your iPad or iPhone or not, okay? But whatever you do, you can darken it, okay? And prove me herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not pour you out a blessing, that you will not be able, that you shall not be able to receive. And that day, Brother Jones preached a very simple message. <clears throat> and he, uh, re he explained that the tithe is at least one, at, at least 10% of everything that God gives you. And then he said, according to the Bible, if you do not tithe, then you're robbing God. And I thought, good night. I wouldn't want to rob anybody, okay? But I really wouldn't want to rob God, okay? 
And then he says, if you do tithe, God has promised to bless you. Very simple message, okay? And uh, at the end of the service, now remember, I'm in the house of God. I'm listening to somebody preach the word of God. That's the reason you ought to be in church every time you possibly can. Because maybe when you're not there, that's the time you would miss something that is really for you. Okay? So um, I, I went forward and I told Brother Jones, okay, Brother Jones, I believe what you preach today. And from this moment on, I will give at least 10% of everything I make back to God through my local church. That's the way he preached it in 1952. I, I still use the same Bible he used, okay? So that's the way I preach it today. And the storehouse is the church. So you, you bring 10%, at least 10% of everything you make back to God, okay? And uh, then uh, Brother Jones told the church about that. Don has come forward. He, he's committed his life to be a tither. And by the way, I could have listened that day and gone out and said to Brother Jones, that was a good message on tithing. If I had not made a decision, it would not have helped me one bit. Okay? So he made the announcement, Don has come forward today and promised to be a tither. Now, when he said that, the treasurer of Black Oak Baptist Church did not jump up and say, well, now that Don's going to be a tither, our financial problems are over. <laughs> and now you, you won't believe this, but... At that time, I was making a dollar an hour, and which means that my salary for a week was $40. And I can hear somebody say, good night. <laughs> if I only had to tithe $4 a week, I wouldn't mind it, okay? <laughs> but when you only have $36 left, that's not much, amen. Okay, so uh, when I first started, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it was very legalistic. If I worked overtime, made $45, I'd give $4.50. I did not want to overdo it, okay? <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, at pre preaching in churches all over the world and teaching about tithing and so on and so forth, you get a lot of questions. And here's one question I've gotten so many times I've got a real good answer for it. I don't know how many times people have said to me, Brother Sis, do you believe we ought to tithe off of the net income or the gross income? You ever heard that one? Okay, here's my answer. God has promised to bless you if you tithe, and you have to decide, do I want his net blessings or his gross blessings? Okay? I mean, it, it's up to you, okay? Now, I, I say that to say this, okay? When I made a commitment to tithe, it did not make an impact on the Black Oak Baptist Church treasury, okay? But it made an impact on me. It proved to me that if I would do what God told me to do, that God would take care of me. Right. And uh, after some uh, 70 years later, uh, God's a good provider. Okay. So that's how I learned to tithe. Fast forward, 1968. I'm home on furlough from Japan. My mother was dying with cancer, so we came home a few months early. And I preached in the Marquette Manor Baptist Church in Chicago, Illinois, in a mission conference, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Uh, Monday night, he had Dr. Billy McCarroll, who was pastor of the Cicero Bible Church in Chicago, to come and teach his church, Marquette Manor Baptist Church, about faith promise giving. They were going to begin that program in their church. So he had this man, Dr. Billy McCarroll, who was 
had a great mission church in Cicero, okay, to come and teach them. And uh, I, I don't know if the church got it or not, but I did, okay. And, uh, you know, I, I read the passage, and he used 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And, by the way, that would be good chapters for you to read, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Now, not while I'm speaking tonight. You do that when you get home, okay? But uh, uh, in, in essence, he said this, these two chapters has one subject. And the subject of 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 is an offering. And he explained, the offering was not for the church at Corinth, but it was to be given through the church at Corinth. And then it was go to others outside of their own church. Now, in this case, it was going to the poor saints at Jerusalem. But when we think of supporting something, like you mentioned those missionaries tonight and different things of that nature, uh, and then you think, okay, that's mission giving. So 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is talking about mission giving. And then he introduced a term that I had never heard. I'd been a pastor in Kentucky. I had started the church in Japan. Uh, but I had never heard the term faith, promise, giving. Okay? And so he explained faith, promise, giving. And I never will forget the three things he said about it, okay? He said, number one, it's simple. I thought, I like that. <laughs> I like simple things. I'm glad Virginia liked simple things. Amen. <laughs> she married me, okay? Abraham Lincoln said, God must have loved simple people because he made so many of us. But he said it's simple. You have a mission emphasis, a mission conference, and somewhere during the time, you encourage every member to make a commitment to give something every week above their regular tithe and offering to missions. Now, let me go over that. To give something every week above their regular tithe and offering to missions. Now, you don't take part of your tithe and give that to missions. Faith promise is above and beyond the regular tithe and offering. So he said, uh, it's simple. Then he said, it's successful. And I thought, I like that. If you're going to do something, you might as well be successful. He said, it's successful. And he gave illustration after illustration of how churches that were just giving minimally to mission after they began given by faith promise, they began their mission budget began to grow exponentially. Now, let me give you an example. First time I preached a mission conference at uh, Lancaster Baptist Church, they were supporting two missionaries, brother Matt, and uh, I think fifty dollars a month. And now, now they've had a significant growth as far as numbers of people that are coming. But think about how their mission giving again. Last year, they gave $1.5 million to missions. Okay, it works. Okay. Uh, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. So uh, I, I went back home. I told my pastor, Brother Cannon, about what I'd learned about faith promise giving. And he said, that sounds good, Brother C.S. If you can... Uh, uh, teach this to our church, we'll start that in our church. And, and I did, best I could. I took notes from Brother uh, uh, Billy McCarroll. 
I ate lunch with him on Tuesday. I ate lunch with him on Wednesday. And lunch lasted a long time because I picked his brain. I mean, from the time I heard about it, I thought, this is amazing. This is great. Uh, it's been there all these years. I just didn't see it, okay? Anyway, I, I, I told Brother Cannon about it, and we had our mission conference. And then I, I took a faith Somebody help me. I took a faith promise commitment card, okay, like you've got in your hand tonight. And I marked on there, by faith in God. Now, this was my first faith promise commitment. By faith in God, I promise to give $5 a week to missions above my regular tithe and offering. Now, again, you might say, well, you didn't have much faith, did you? But in 1956, is that, is that, that's not right. In, in 1968, uh, please forgive me, my mind is gone. I can see with my bifocals, I can hear good with my hearing aid, but I sure do miss my mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you say, well, you didn't have much faith, did you, Don? Think about it. At that time, I was a missionary to Japan, and our total support was around $500 a month. So it did take some faith. Every year, we, or all that year, we gave $5 every week, sent our faith promise back to our church in, in Harvey, Illinois. Now, uh, that was in 1968. Somebody tell me real quickly, how many years ago was that? Come on, somebody can figure it out. Huh? 54 years, okay. Uh, this this uh, October, I will make my 55th faith promise commitment. Now think about this. Every year, I have increased my faith promise giving for, for 55 years. And the least, and sometimes much more than this, but the least I've increased has been $5 a week. So figure it out, okay? Uh, 55 times, okay. And uh, in other words, I began somewhere. And then it grew year after year. And the Bible tells us in, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and Paul made this statement, when your faith, and he's talking to the church at Corinth, when your faith is increased, we shall be enabled by you to preach the gospel in the regions beyond. Now, uh, look, look at you, Will, in your Bible at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me give you just one verse, okay? Uh, 2 Corinthians, well, I'm going to give you three verses uh, so you, you get a bonus, okay? <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, remember, Paul is talking about missionary giving, and that's the subject of 2 Corinthians uh, 8 and 9. And in verse 6, he said, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. That figures, amen. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. In other words, here's the four simple principles of faith promise giving. You reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. You reap after you sow. A lot of people want to reap before they sow it. That don't work like that, amen. You reap 
what you sow, you reap more than you sow, you reap after you sow. And you reap in proportion as you sow. The more you sow, the more you'll reap. By the way, on that one, I've got a great illustration. Uh, I went to preach to a church near Providence when I was pastoring there. <clears throat> and they didn't have a pastor. I don't think they wanted to pay one, okay? So they didn't have a pastor. They had services on Saturday, Sunday afternoon. They had different preachers come in. And before I got up, the, the preacher said, now we're going to take an offering for Brother Sisk. And ev all, everything goes in the offering today goes to Brother Sisk. We're going to give him the offering, okay? And I preached that day, and we had a good service. And at the end of the service, the, the fellow gave me an offering, the offering envelope. And on, on the way home back to Providence that day, and it's only about 40 miles, and I said to Virginia, I said, "Hun, see what the love offering was. And she opened the envelope, and she began to laugh. And I said, "Hun, what's so funny? She said, Don, you know what's in this offering? I said, no, I have no idea. She said, a $1 bill. And I said, I put a dollar in myself. And, and she just kept laughing and laughing. And finally, I said, huh? Uh, I don't think it's funny, okay? And I said, why is it so funny to you? And she said, Donna couldn't help but think. If you would have put more in. <laughs> okay. You reap more than you sow. You reap after you sow. You reap what you sow. Now, here's the verses. But this I say, he was so sparingly, shall reap also sparingly. He was so bountifully, shall reap, shall reap also bountifully. Every man, now here's the promise. Look, look at that very carefully. Every man, and by the way, that don't just mean the male gender. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. By the way, parents, teach your children to give to missions. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly. Or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And then verse 8, and God is able. You see, every time God makes a statement about giving, he tells what we ought to do, then he tells us what he will do, okay? And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So from Dr. Billy McCarroll, in a church, a man takes the Bible, the Word of God, and he teaches me something, and I get a hold of it, and I begin to practice it, okay? Uh, faith, promise, giving. By the way, I preached faith, promise, giving in over 1,500 churches. Many of those churches, I started the faith, promise, giving program for them. And there's no telling how many million, hundreds of millions of dollars that has been given simply because people listening to and practicing faith promise giving. So in 1968, I learned about faith promise giving from a man of God reading the Word of God. Uh, 1952, I learned about tithing from a man of God reading the Word of God. Okay. In uh, 1968, the same year that I learned about faith promise, now I was giving my tithe I was giving my faith promise, but to be honest, sometimes it wasn't so joyful. Now, you've never given like that, I know, okay? By the way, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. I was in a church one time, and the pastor said, now, we're going to take an offering, 
If you can't give it joyfully, just keep it. And I thought that may be dangerous. I was with another pastor in Louisville, Kentucky. He said, now we're going to take an offering. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. But he said he'll take it from an old grouch, okay? And I thought, okay, he might take it, but the old grouch will lose his reward, okay? Okay, I'm, I'm in Detroit, Michigan, and the old man's preaching. I thought he was old. He's about 75 years of age. I was 35, so, you know, he's an old man. Uh, now I realize he wasn't old. He's just in the prime of life, amen? <laughs> anyway, he, he preached from uh, uh, Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Uh, listen to it. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus. Paul is speaking his farewell address to the elders of the church at Ephesus. He's called them to the island of Miletus, okay? And he's preaching. He's and, and that's a great chapter. All of chapter 20 is a great chapter. Uh, Brother Chapel, it is a great chapter on church planning, okay? I can't hardly read it without wanting to preach about church planning, okay? But not tonight, okay? And, uh, but the thing, and he, he, he taught so simply but so profoundly about joyful giving. You know, and, and you could tell he meant what he said. And he had taught it to his people, joyful giving. Uh, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, what did he say? Anybody know? It is more blessed to give than receive. Now, most Christians think, okay, if that's true, I'll let you get the blessing. You do the giving, I'll do the receiving. But no, listen to it. It is more blessed to give. Here, here's the real meaning, okay? The person that lives to give is a lot happier than the person that lives to get. I mean, if I just live to give, then I'm totally dependent on somebody giving me something. But if I live to give, then I can always find somebody, something that needs to be given to. And I'll never forget one story he told. I mean, he told several different illustrations about joy forgiving. But one of and now, now remember, this is back in the old days, okay? Poverty, stricken people. And a physician in his church died. And uh, the physician's widow said to Brother Hafford Overby, Brother Overby, God has laid on my heart to give you all of my late husband's clothes. She said he has three brand new Hart Schaffron Mark suits. He's only wore one or two times. He's one. And she said, now, Brother Overby, if that, those clothes will fit you, I want to give them to you. And he said, I asked the lady, ma'am, did God lay on your heart to give me those clothes? And she said, oh, yes, he did, definitely. He said, okay, they'll fit. God knows my size, okay? <laughs> and, then, and he tells about going and trying those suits on, and sure enough, length, waist, coat, everything. Just, I mean, uh, and you, you could tell by his preaching, he was such a joyful giver. I mean, he lived to give. That's a good way to live. And God taught me that day about joyful giving. And, and I'm honest with you. 
I like to receive things. Everybody does, amen? But I get far more joy out of giving than I do out of receiving. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So that's how God taught me to give joyfully. Tithing, I listen to the Bible. God's a man speaking. I listen to the preacher about faith, promise, giving. And I'm sure glad I learned about that. I mean, it's been such a blessing for all of these years, 54 years. And then God taught me about joyful giving. In 2002, we started teaching missions one semester that we taught 14 semesters in a row, <laughs> okay? But we, and uh, every February, I believe it is, Brother Matt, you help me with that. They have the big offering? Yes. Yeah, okay. And now, now, during January, the last two weeks of January, we went out in the middle of January, and uh, I was speaking in some church every Sunday, and Brother Chapel was preparing the people for the big offering. He does that every year, stewardship time. And uh, when it came time to think about what we were going to give in the offering, I, I said to Virginia, I said, "Hun, uh, here, here's a, just a piece of paper. You, you write on here uh, what you think we ought to give, and I'll write on a piece of paper what I think we ought to give. And uh, then we revealed it to each other. And when she showed me what she had written, my first thought was, Paul Chapel has brainwashed you. <laughs> if we give that much money to one offering, we'll probably starve to death. I mean, you know, I, 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 I didn't get it. She got it, okay. But then I thought, okay, uh, she's more spiritual than I am about this. But since she has faith that we can do that, we're going to do it. Now, that's where I learned about extravagant giving. Extravagant giving. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, uh, they, they were having a big feast, a meal for Jesus Christ. And uh, there was uh, Lazarus, the man that had been dead. There was a man by the name of Simon, they called him Simon the leper. He wasn't a leper anymore, but they could still call him that. You know. Blind Bartimaeus, they probably called him that for a long time. He wasn't blind. Nicknames stick with you, yeah? Every once in a while you see somebody and they say, Hey, Slim, how you doing? He's not Slim anymore, <laughs> okay? But uh, I, now, now think about it. Mary, and of course you know the story about Mary and Martha and Lazarus, okay? And... Uh, Mary is sitting there, and she's watching the activities. Wonderful time. By the way, over in Jerusalem, just a few miles over, they had convened, and they were talking about how we can kill him. But here in this little town, they were talking about how great he was, honoring him with a big meal and so forth. And Mary sits there, and she looks at Simon, and she remembers he used to be a leper. But Jesus healed him. And you, know, you can uh, realize her heart was overflowing with gratitude for what Jesus did. 
And then she looked at her brother Lazarus. And she remembered Lazarus was dead. He'd been dead four days when Jesus came. You remember the story when Jesus said, roll that stone away. And, they, and Mary Martin, no, 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 please don't do that. He's been dead four days. By now he stinketh. By the way, it's okay to stink after you've been dead four days, okay? You just don't do it while you're living. <laughs> Amen. And, and, uh, but Jesus said, roll the stone away. And then he said, Lazarus. And by the way, it's a good thing he said Lazarus. If he hadn't, everybody in the graveyard would got up. Huh? Lazarus, right? You know, Lazarus comes forth, loose him. And she looks at Lazarus and she thinks, Jesus is so good. Then she thinks about when Jesus forgave her of all of her sins. And, uh, you know, wicked woman that she was. But Jesus forgave her. And now she's a happy Christian. And she thinks, I've got to do something for him. I've, I've got to show him how much I love him. And she has an alabaster box. Very expensive perfume. Now, Judas said it could be sold for 300 pence, which actually represented a year's salary. So in today's society, it'd be like, okay, you could sell that for maybe $70,000. By the way, evidently she didn't buy that at Walmart's, okay? <laughs> it was a very special ointment, worth a year's salary. But she began to think, I've got to do something. And she break that alabaster box. And she anointed him with that alabaster, that perfume. And now, now, use your nostrils real good. Can't you just smell the fragrance in that room? Now, that is extravagant giving. I've got to do something. He's done so much for me. Extravagant giving. So I learned to tithe by listening to W. Jones. I learned to give to Faith Promise by listening to Dr. Vader McCarroll. I learned to give joyfully by listening to Brother Halford Overby. And I learned to give extravagant by being a member of Lancaster Baptist Church and participating year after year after year in that big offering. And by the way, there's something like $90 million worth of buildings out there now. And much of that is because of the giving in that special offering. Uh, one day you'll have an offering like that. Huh? And uh, let, let me give you just one illustration. Now, now remember, when I started tithing, I'm making $40 a week. Okay. When I started giving the faith promise, my support as a missionary was $500 a month. When I learned about joy forgiveness, it was the same, basically the same. Okay. So one of those offerings, two or three years into our giving and offering every year, God laid on my heart to give $10,000. 
$10,000. And I thought, Lord, I don't think I have $10,000. In fact, I checked my checkbook, and sure enough, I didn't. <laughs> and, now, and I had never given anything like that. Now, remember, I'm, I'm not boasting about anything, okay? I don't have anything to boast about. I mean, you know, when you have to, you start with $40 a week <laughs> salary. And, you know, so you're here. Okay. $10,000. And uh, we made the checkout for $10,000. We borrowed money, actually. Made the checkout for $10,000. Now, it doesn't always happen like this, okay? It may not happen to you like this, but Three weeks after I made that gift of $10,000 for the big, that was extravagant, okay? Would you admit that, huh? Yeah, that's kind of extravagant. For me, it's really extravagant, okay? Okay. Three, three weeks after that, I, I went to Florida, and uh, I was preaching in a, a good church there that I'd been to several times before. And when I got there, the pastor said, uh, Brother Don, I want to ask you a question. I said, fine, ask me whatever you like. He said, what is the largest offering you have ever gotten? And I said, Bill, why in the world do you want to know that? He said, because we're going to give more than that for your offering this week. And I thought for a minute, now, now this, this is not my average offering, okay? And I thought for a minute, and I thought, I'm... Bill, you might not want to do that. He said, oh, yeah, you tell me the largest offering you've ever got. <clears throat> and um, several years ago, I was preaching in Dallas in a Bible conference. and uh, a mission, I'm sorry, a missionary conference. And every night, the pastor would get up, and he would say, now we're going to take an offering every night. And he'd write out a check and fumble around down there, give the people time. He said, now, I want everybody to give something every night. And then at one offering this week, I want you to give a really generous offering. We want to give the missionaries here uh, a good, good offering. So they, they gave me the offering on Friday, on, on Wednesday night at the end of the conference. And I sneaked to look at it before I went to the motel. And it was $520, I thought. Now, I got to the mission. I got, <laughs> mission is on my mind, okay? I, I got to the motel, and I looked at the check again, and it was $5,200. Every once in a while, somebody will say, what is your average love offering, brother Sid? And I want to say about $5,000, <laughs> but I'd be lying, okay? And I, I said, Bill, and, and I said, this, this is an actual fact. I got this one offer, and it was $5,200. And he said, we're going to beat that. And sure enough, Sunday night when the mission conference was over, they gave me a check for $7,500. Uh, listen to uh, Luke six thirty-eight again. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Now, now here's what I want to emphasize. The last part of that verse says, For with the same measure 
that you meet with all, it shall be given unto you. With the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be given unto you. Uh, there's a verse in Psalms 81.10 that says, I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. By the way, in the Old Testament, when God wanted to show what he could do, he would use that. And that was a big deal. I mean, here's uh, maybe two million people, and they're, they're delivered from the Egyptian bondage, and they, they go through the Red Sea on dry ground, and Pharaoh's army trying to go through that same one. They were all drowned. That, that was a wonderful thing. God said, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. In other words, you know what he's saying? I can do anything. I, with God, nothing shall be impossible. And then he said, open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. 1956, I started pastoring in Kentucky. Christmas came, and uh, Mrs. Lynn came to Virginia and me. And this was before credit cards. I know you don't believe that we could possibly live without credit cards, but we did, okay? For a long time, we did, okay? And, uh, but people had accounts, like at the grocery store and the service station and different places. And she had an account at Jordan Furniture Company. You know, you just go, she'd go in and buy something, put that on my account. That's what uh, Paul said. <laughs> okay, put that on my account. But she said, Brother Sisk, I want you and Mr. Virginia to go to Jordan Furniture Company and buy whatever you need, whatever you want, and that will be my Christmas present for you. And I said, okay, Ms. Lynn, about how much should we spend? She said, it does not make any difference, Brother Sisk. You buy anything you need, anything you want. That was dangerous. We were in Bible school. We needed everything we saw. We had practically nothing. Uh, we, we wanted most of the things we saw. And uh, one of our couples worked there at Jordan Furniture Company, Buford and Ruby Day. And um, Ms. Lynn said, now you go and Buford and Ruby don't know you. Just put that on my account, whatever you, whatever you buy. And we, we shopped for about an hour and talked to Ruby and Buford and had a good time shopping. We looked at living room suits. We looked at bedroom suits. We looked at refrigerators. We looked at carpet. We looked at everything, okay? And, but that day when we left, uh, we were carrying our purchase. It was a magazine rack about that big. The price of it was $5.00. And 95 cents. Now, I still have that magazine, right? It is a trophy of my stupidity. <laughs> okay. I mean, we could have had anything in that furniture store. And we settled for a $5.95 magazine, right? And when I think about that $5.95 magazine, right? I think you don't have to be a $5.95 Christian. You don't have to be a $5.95 church. You don't have to be a $5.95 missionary. God's unlimited resources are at our disposal. And the way we get them 
gift, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. Several years after that, I was preaching in Madisonville, Kentucky, and Ms. Lynn came to hear us preach. And uh, I said, Ms. Lynn, would you like to make that proposition again? <laughs> and she said, Brother Sisk, after hearing you preach, I don't think I could afford it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, think about it. I'm, I have n absolutely nothing to brag about. I'm making $40 a week. Let me, let me tell you what we did, by the way, and this has nothing to do with giving, okay? But I was making $40 a week, and every Friday night, Virginia and I would take $1 and go out on a date. Okay, now, now, now remember, it's 1952, okay? Now, there was a hamburger place near where we were at, near Gary there, called Crystals, okay? Hamburgers were a little bitty, and they still have them, okay? Crystals, uh, White Castle, okay? They still have them, little bitty hamburgers, uh, a lot of bun, a lot of onions, a little bit of meat. <laughs> but the hamburgers were, were 10 cents, and the Coca-Colas were a nickel, and the fries were a nickel. So we would buy six hamburgers and two Cokes and two fries, and we'd just have a big time. By the way, uh, we've been treated to all kind of big meals and so forth. I don't know that I've ever enjoyed any of them any more than we enjoyed that time together. God's good. God is so good. Give and shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Don't ever get uptight when your preacher or somebody else starts talking about giving. They're not trying to get something out of you. They're trying to get you to a place where you can get something from God.